going to talk about that this morning. It's called the grace of sacrifice. And it's interesting that uh, when we celebrate communion, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus. That's a part of it. That's the part we most of us grab hold of. Now, I know the children are, are antsy and they think I forgot them, but I want them to stay in here because I think it's important that they understand what communion is about. I've shared this before. When I was growing up, this was a mysterious thing. I didn't really understand why. Didn't understand what. I just knew we did it so many times a year. And there were guys in suits and ties, and they served, and, and they were kind of gruff looking, and, and it was just, that's just the way it was. And, and I didn't realize it until I was an adult that this, this meal is loaded with significance. And it, it's, as, as Protestants, we celebrate it as, a, as, a, as symbolic, but it's more than symbolic, okay? Now, we differ in our beliefs with, with Catholicism. Uh, they believe that the presence of the Lord, I mean, this is literally, literally His body and His blood. We differ with that. This represents, and I believe that's what Jesus taught, uh, that this represents His body and His blood. But let me just tell you something. The presence of Jesus is here when you celebrate communion. It really is. This is what this is the one thing that ties us 21 centuries after Jesus died on the cross back to that first group of Christians. This is the one thing that we have continued and have kept in common is is the is the Lord's table. And so when we celebrate this morning, I want I want our young people to understand that. I don't want them to be fearful of it. I don't want them to, to worry about it. I want them to look at it with anticipation because this is worship. And this is, this is one of the highest forms of worship that, that we as, as Christians can participate in. You're going to notice in a little while that, that um, we don't, we've got a few. Now, I'll say that because I realize that some of you are, I want to say lactose intolerant, but not lactose. Uh, what's the word? Gluten intolerant, yeah. I got all these intolerances going around in my... I know some of you are gluten intolerant, okay? And we have some, we have some wafers in there, and, and you're welcome to them. But this was meant to be, when Jesus instituted this meal, this was meant to be something that they experienced. It wasn't just something they went through and got through, sang a song, and left. It was something that they experienced, and they experienced it with their taste, they ate bread, and it reminded them as they chewed that bread up that this was the body of Christ. They drank wine. We use grape juice. It was the fruit of the, the vine. So, I mean, we've chosen to use grape juice. But it's the same flavor. It's, it's the flavor. It's the t- it reminded them that, that this represents the blood of Jesus. And so, we don't do it. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't say this irreverently, but you know what? Those wafers, they don't have any taste. They're like styrofoam, okay? And if you have to eat one of those, that's fine. It's, it's okay. But it didn't do anything for me, okay? I, I mean, and the little square crackers that you use, that don't do anything. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, involvement in it. You, you don't have to chew much, okay? I want this to be an experience that you savor for a minute, okay? Does that make sense? I want this to be a moment where you pause and you think, okay, this, really, you know, this represents the body of Christ. This represents the blood of Christ. Because this is a big deal, okay? There's power in this meal. 
There's power for healing. There's power for miracles. There's all kind of power because the Lord is present when His people commune with Him and when they celebrate this. We don't celebrate this just to look back at what Jesus did. We celebrate this in anticipation of the day He will return. And He will celebrate this with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, Jesus said, I won't drink of the vine anymore until I return. We don't think about that. Now, that's, that's a whole other sermon, but, but I'm going to get to what I'm, I'm going. But I want, this to, I want this to be an experience, and I want this to be something that our young people understand. Okay? I'm still learning and understanding what this meal means. It's just not, it's just not a ritual, okay? It's life. It's life. But this morning, we want to talk a little bit about the sacrifice that this represents. Last week, we talked about Uh, the gift of giving ourselves, but I want to define again what a willing heart is. And and, and I wrote this definition out a little bit, and I expanded a little bit this morning. Willing heart is, I put, the natural response of a person who truly loves God, but it's really not. A willing heart is the supernatural response of a person who truly loves God. It's the supernatural response of one who's been born again. A willing heart as we said last week, longs and freely desires to go above and beyond what is required. Folks, we don't see that anymore in our culture. Somebody mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about the service uh, uh, section of 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 our country. There's very little service anymore. You go in to order something, people treat you like, hey, case of rah, rah, whatever it is, we we got a hundred more behind you. Can I just say this from a construction standpoint? There's a generation of plumbers and electricians and HVAC men and carpenters and masons who are going to be filthy rich because nobody wants to do those kind of jobs anymore. Nobody wants to do that kind of service. And and as we get older, we're going to pay huge amounts of money for that. But, but what I'm talking about is a willing heart is a, is a heart that longs to serve. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But it's a heart that longs to bring pleasure to God. It's a heart that, that understands and longs to give God not just simply the better, okay, or the good, but it has a desire to give the best. See, good's not good enough when you, when you stand before God and you offer what you have. God wants the best. So the first sign of a willing heart is the gift of self. It's the surrender of all that one is or ever hopes to be. It's the total surrender of what I want to be in exchange for what God wants. And we talked about last week how obedience is just a natural resource of a willing heart. That person who with a willing heart longs to please God in everything that they do. Now, there's a second sign. That's what we're going to talk about today. It, it, it always accompanies a willing heart. And it, what, I, what I've called uh, the grace of sacrifice. This morning as we celebrate communion, we're going to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus didn't just become flesh, folks. He became one of us. He gave Himself. He gave what He was to become who we are. And I don't think we, we fully grasp that. Folks, He was God. He is God. He will always be God. But He existed in glory beyond what our minds can imagine. 
I mean, when you read the, the, the descriptions in the, in the Scriptures of whenever someone saw an angel or when, when, when Moses was in the, the very presence of God or when Jesus was transfigured, they, they can't describe it. They use words like or as. Those are similes. Those are parts of speech to, to give us a clue that it was so glorious that they had to describe it in the terms that they were able to. When, when John talks about heaven, he talks about gates like pearls, streets like gold, because it's so glorious that he doesn't have the words to put it into to, to expression. And so uh, he, he uses those similes. Jesus, folks, was, is God, and He became flesh. He became us. He gave all that He is to become what we are. Think about that for a minute. Just think about that for a minute. But He, he didn't stop there. He didn't just become what we are. He was willing to take the next step, which was to sacrifice Himself for us. To exchange his life for another. Most of you have heard that, that, that story about the pig and the chicken in breakfast. You know, the, the chicken says, hey, I give eggs. And, and the pig goes, well, look, I give bacon, but it takes a total commitment to give the bacon. Okay? It was the same with Jesus. Jesus gave his life. He was not willing just to become human. A handful of people. He was willing to die for all lived or will live. The good, the bad, and everyone in the middle. Folks, He was the ultimate sacrifice. And throughout the history of the church, there have been others on a daily basis who have given their lives. We don't, we're, we're cocooned in this country. We're insulated from, from suffering and from martyrdom for the most part. But folks, listen to me. From the very beginning of the church, men and women and boys and girls have died by the sword. They've, had, they've been decapitated. They've been burned at the stake. They've been hung. They've been uh, stoned every day. And you know what? It still continues. You say, well, why don't we hear about it? Because Christians are not important in the world we live in. Okay? They're not important. We don't hear about it because we don't make an effort to find out. There are probably more people being martyred today for Christ than were martyred in the first century. Horrible deaths. But they were martyred, they were killed because they refused to deny Christ. When I talk about the grace of sacrifice being a willing sign, I mean... I want you to understand what I mean. I mean a loss. Okay? Or something that you give up for the sake of a better cause. That's, that's what my definition of sacrifice this morning is. When I talk about the sacrifice of self. When I talk about the grace of sacrifice. I mean it's something that is lost or something that is given that costs you something. And you do it for a better cause. A greater cause. It's the giving of something. It, it may be time. It may be talent. It may be energy. It may be money. It may be position. It may be prestige. It may be comfort. But we give those things. It may just be yourself for the greater good. Folks, the grace of sacrifice is a definitive sign of a willing heart. If there's no sacrifice there, you don't have a willing heart. 
That's just reality. Because you have to give yourself. That's what Jesus did. He gave Himself up for something bigger. Bigger than, than just His life. I guess you could put it this way. The grace of sacrifice is unconditional love fleshed out. It's, it's high def. 3D. Technicolor. Whatever you grew up with. But it, it's God's kind of love. And God's kind of love always gives. Just think about the verses that, that pop into your mind. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave. John says in 1 John 3, 16 and 17, he says, We know love by this, that He, who's He? Jesus, laid down His life for us. Jesus expects us to do the very same thing. And that's exactly what John says. And we ought to lay down our lives. We ought to, what does that word lay down mean? It means to put our life before others. Ahead of them. So that whatever comes has to come through us before it gets to them. That's what sacrifice means. That's what Jesus did. The, the, the wrath of God had to come through, uh, through Him so that it wouldn't get to us. He took it. He absorbed it. He experienced it. He satisfied it. His sacrifice pleased God. John says, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Let me read this whole verse back at one time. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus sacrificed, therefore we ought to sacrifice. And then he gives us an illustration. Well, well how, Lord? But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know what John's answer to that is? It doesn't. Folks, you've heard me say this before. Talk's cheap. It's our actions that matter. A willing heart recognizes need in whatever form it appears. It sees with the eyes of God and it responds sacrificially with the heart of Jesus. Now, I can almost hear some of you thinking because sometimes I think this same way. God, I can't solve all the problems of the world. For about 10 years, I had a, a position in a church where I was in charge of benevolence. Which meant everybody that was in need or wanted you to think they were in need... Okay, I mean, I mean, there were, there, listen to me, let's just be real honest. They've made it a way to make money, okay? And you have to use the wisdom of God, and you have, to put, uh, you have to put rules and regulations into place to do the best you can to weed that out. You just don't give everybody an open hand. But, but I, I, I was overwhelmed with it, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person that when there's a need, if, if it's possible to meet, I, I want to meet it. But you can't meet every need. And folks, you can't meet every need. I can't meet every need. But, but, with the power and the provision and the love of God, I can meet whatever need He positions in front of me. The one He puts in my path and equips me to meet. I just have to open my eyes. And I have to be willing 
to sacrifice. Okay? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean money. We're too quick to do this. Okay? Sometimes that just means pausing and talking to someone. Sometimes that's pointing someone to another place where they can get help. Sometimes that's cutting someone's grass or fixing an electrical socket that won't work or dripping their faucet or, or giving them a ride. It, it can be all kinds of things. Listen, money won't take care of everything, all right? It, it just won't. It just won't. But for you and I to, to do those kind of things... Folks, it's going to come with a cost. It's going to come with a loss. It's going to come with a hardship for us. Because we're going to have to take time out of our day, time out of our schedule, time out of what we wanted to do, and pay attention to what God wants us to do. I have to make a sacrifice. You have to make a sacrifice. We have, we have to be forced. Well, we don't have to be forced. But we, sacrifice forces us to give up something for the greater good. That's what it means to be willing. I want to paint a picture this morning because really this, this whole series came out of a passage of Scripture that I was reading in the Old Testament. So I want to paint a picture this morning from a passage in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus. And uh, we'll find it in Exodus 35. But I'm just going to, I'm going to read this passage in a few minutes. But most of you know the story of Israel. They, 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 they went into bondage. They went in. Joseph, I mean, Joseph invited his father down. His father brought 70 members of his family. And man, they were the guests of Pharaoh. But that Pharaoh died and there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know them. And they went from being guests to being slaves. And folks, they were slaves for, for 430 years. Generation after generation after generation after generation grew up in slavery. And all of a sudden, God, it's not all of a sudden, God heard their cries to begin with, but God moves and He sends Moses back to Egypt to, to bring His people out. That's what Exodus means. Exodus is, is, is two words, X, E-X, and Odas. Odas is road or pathway. X is out, the road out. That's what the word Exodus means. And so Moses leads the people out of, of, of Egypt. But you know what? Those people were slaves. They didn't have but a few possessions. They had a, a few cattle, a few possessions. Now, the, the Egyptians flooded them with, with gold and silver and, and different things. But you know what? You can only carry so much gold. And you can only carry so much silver. Because Allied van lines didn't pull up at anybody's house. And load up in boxes and tape it and move and leave them there in Egypt to go to Canaan. There wasn't three men in a truck or 20 men in 16 trucks or a billion trucks. There wasn't anything. What they carried in their hands and on their backs is what they took out. Now, they're slaves, okay? They've never had gold and silver and these dyed uh, animal skins. They, they had goat's hair and they made tents out of it. You understand what I'm saying? We've got a, a, a group of slaves, probably three and a half million, four million up to six million of them. And so they come out of Egypt and they're carrying what they need. And what they don't need, you know what happens when it gets hot? And by the way, it's hot in Sinai. After you walk a mile or two with something that you begin to consider 
you know what? This chunk of gold is not nearly as worth as much as this bottle of water. I'll guarantee you they got lighter as they went. Now, I'm not saying they threw all the gold down in the silver. I'm just saying what was important they held on to. What they needed for provisions and different things like that. They carried their possessions on their back. And everything had a purpose. Okay? And everything they carried was precious. Or they left it in Egypt. Or they dropped it in the sand. And as they begin their journey, they get to, 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 to Sinai. And Moses goes up on the mountain. And you know the story of that. He comes down. And, and God gives him a word to address the people with. And I'm going to read this passage. It's in Exodus chapter 35, uh, verse 4 through 9. And Moses spoke to all the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution. Literally, that means a heave offering. And when I say a heave offering, they were to lift it up before the Lord. It was a contribution. And we'll talk about that in a minute. To the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. And then he begins to list it. Gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skin dyed red and porpoise skins and acacia wood and oil for lighting and spices for anointing oil and for fragrant incense and the onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. Now, don't get, don't get all caught up in that, okay? Just, just listen for a minute. A heave offering was a voluntary offering. It was not mandatory. It was an offering that a person made and lifted up to God voluntarily. It was above their regular sacrifices, okay? It was just an offering. It was, it was a free will offering. And the only requirement for this particular offering was that the person have a willing heart. So when Moses gave this speech, he didn't do a 30-minute arm-twisting deal for the offering. Okay? I've seen preachers do that. I've seen preachers, when they didn't get enough, give another one. Okay? And another one. And another one. That's not what Moses did. Moses just told them what the Lord said, and their hearts had to be willing. We read this list, and we don't, we don't think much about it. I mean, what God was asking for, I mean, He wanted the gold and the silver and the bronze. But listen for a minute. When they leave Egypt, whatever they needed to survive, they were carrying. Which meant, along the way, they were going to have to buy some things. You ever thought about that? They offer uh, some of their, their brethren who were... Uh, uh, Moab and Ammon, they offer money for their water and for the grass that their animals ate and different things. So they're going to have to use the, that gold and that silver and that bronze to, to pay for the things that they needed on this journey because, you know what, they weren't going the typical route that everyone else went to Cana. Everyone went to Cana on the King's Highway up the coast. They didn't go that way. They headed out into Sinai. And so we, we read this list and we don't give uh, very much thought to the fact that they needed to, to buy water. They needed to buy food. They needed to build shelters. They needed to provide warmth. It gets cold in the desert at night. Okay? I don't know why or how. I just know it happens. Okay? I've been in, the, in, in Mexico in the desert and I've been in Israel. It gets cool at night. And it, it, I'm, this is a 
rabbit trail, but it's funny. When it drops down to 60 degrees in Mexico, those people put on parkas like it's 10 degrees. They do the same in the Middle East. It's, it's cold. But, so they, they were going to have to build shelters. They were going to have to provide warmth. You know, those skins were going to be warm. They had to have medical care. Those oils were medicinal. They were necessities. They were not luxuries. And to give them up was to sacrifice them. These people were giving up things they knew they would need because they didn't know how long they were going to be out there. They didn't know where they were going. So it, was, it meant that they were going to incur a loss. They were going to give up something that, that they, they may need on this mysterious journey. And it was a contribution. It was a voluntary free will offering. God didn't give an amount. He didn't say how much. All he said is that the person who gives it needs to give it with a willing heart. There was no coercion. There was no forced obedience. Just a willing heart. There were no pledge cards. They didn't sign commitments. Just a willing heart. And I want you to look just a few verses down what happens once Moses dismisses them. You find it in Exodus chapter 35 verse 21 through 22. Everyone whose heart stirred him. And you could put her there. We'll see in just a minute. Everyone's whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, came and brought the Lord's contribution. They brought the heave offering for the work of the tent of the meeting, and for all its service and for the holy garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, who, who had willing hearts, both men and women, they came and they brought. Folks, all of a sudden Moses says, y'all are dismissed, and lines start to form. People start to grab stuff up, and they get in line. And they wait until they get the, the opportunity to give what it is that, that their hearts have been stirred up to give. And they're doing it for a greater good. They're, they're giving the raw material that would be used to build the tabernacle. The, the forerunner of the tent. The, I mean the, the temple. The, the tent of meeting that you read about in Leviticus and at the end of Exodus. They're giving the material that would be used to make the posts and the stands that the posts set in and the curtains that surrounded it and the Ark of the Covenant and the candlestick and the table where the bread went and the bread of the presence and the altar and all the curtains. and They're giving that stuff. They're giving the material that would be used to make the priest's garments and the, and the jewels that would be used to, to put on the high priest's ephod. And, and, and they, were, they were making, uh, they were giving the material that would, uh, would be used to make the, the anointing oil that they would use to anoint the priest and also the offering. They're giving all of those things. They're just giving them. I mean, I mean finally they have to say, hey, 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 that's enough. We, we don't need any more. Man, that's the kind of people I want to be with. Now listen, I'm not talking about money. Y'all have never heard me preach a sermon on money here, ever. You know why? Because you as a people give. Okay? But there are other gifts that this church needs. Okay? We need people. We need sacrifice in, in, in areas, we need teachers, we need greeters, we need everything you can imagine. We need to give ourselves, we need to sacrifice. Well, you know, Nelson, I don't, I, listen, if, if it doesn't, if it's not a loss, it's not a sacrifice. Okay? I'll get to that in a minute. 
But the women and the men begin to line up and they begin to contribute. And they begin to sacrifice for the greater good by providing the raw materials they would need for the tabernacle and those things. And remember this, these folks are not, they're not aristocrats. They're not royals. They're not the rich. They're slaves. They're just a week or two from the brick pits. Okay? What typically happens with a person who's never had anything and they get something? I mean, when you're hungry and you get food, what happens? And you fight for it. When you're thirsty and you finally get a drink, you'll fight for that water. When you've never had any money and all of a sudden you get money, most people hold it very tight. These people were just, they're just throwing it down. Why? How? Willing heart. A willing heart. A willing heart. I don't want you to get lost in the, in the details of the tent or in the gifts. I want, you to, I want you to get the point here. And the point is that the grace of sacrifice was here because these people had willing hearts. They gave what they had. Okay? But the gifts that they gave were external expressions of the internal love they felt for God. The gratitude they had. And it, it came out in a willing heart. They did it not because they had to. Okay? There was no coercion on God's part. God didn't say, give me everything you had. He said, give me a heave offering. If you've got a willing heart. So they gave out of that willing heart. They gave because they wanted to. They were willing to give up today what they might need tomorrow to glorify God. He said, hmm, I don't know if I'm willing to take that chance. Let me just share something with you. That's not a chance. That's a guaranteed opportunity. I I used to hear one of my pastors say this, you cannot out-give God. I've seen that happen over and over and over. God, will, He will not be in, I'm trying to think of the word, He will not be beholding to you. When we give, He gives. As we give, He gives. The doors of heaven open up. The more, we can't outgive God. And that's what these people learned. You know what God did in the wilderness? He fed them miraculously. He watered them. He gave them all the water they needed. He provided a shade during the day. He provided light at night. His angels went before Him. He protected them. They followed behind them. They protected them. Everything they needed and would have bought with this stuff, God took care of. Their offering was a gift. It was lifted up to the Lord as an expression of their love for God. It was a, it was a demonstration of their obedience, of the, their belief that God would provide as they, as they needed it. As they needed it. When they needed it. Where they needed it. Folks, listen to me. Forced love is not really love. Okay? It's not really love. No one can force another person to love them. God does not do that. He doesn't force us to love Him. He doesn't force us to do things. You've you've heard me say that over and over. He loves us unconditionally. And then He waits 
for our response. A person who truly understands the love and the grace of God and who has experienced that love and that grace is changed. And out of that understanding of God's great love, a willing heart is energized. That willing heart begins to move. And it's willing to give God whatever God asks, even if it costs something. Even if it means the sacrifice of something valuable. Too often we think in terms of our life. God wants me to give my life. God's asked a few people to give their life. Okay? But most of us, that's not what He asks. He asks for our time. He asks for our efforts. He asks for resources. He asks for our talents. He asks for our intellect. Sometimes He asks for our money. He asks for our sweat. All of those are valuable commodities to us. Amen? Let's just be real honest. Time is a valuable commodity. Amen? But the only way God asks for it is if you will give it with a willing heart. Now I want to apply this and we're going to be through. We're going to celebrate communion. We're in the process of preparing a place to meet as a body of believers. We're going to be moving. Okay? We're going to be packing stuff up here. We're going to be transporting stuff. We're going to be unpacking. We're working right now to get facilities in place so that we've got adequate bathrooms. We're working up there to get uh, things cleaned up and sidewalks smoothed out and and rooms ready. We're going to be packing here and and, and loading up. We're we're going to be worshiping in a new surrounding, in in a new community, which is going to present some new issues, okay? It's going to present some new opportunities, And with opportunities, there always come new problems. All right? Man, that's just, that's real life. I hear people say, yeah, but a problem is just an opportunity. I know, but for a few minutes, I have to stare at it. Okay? Before I see the opportunity. I'm just being honest with you. A problem is something that jumps up in your face. The word pro and blim, it's a French word. And it means to jump up in your face and say, what are you going to do about me? Okay, we're going to have some problems. It's going to take all of us to solve those problems. The things we've kind of taken for granted here. I mean, we can just kind of spread out luxuriously right here. We're going to be a little more compacted, okay? That's just reality. We're going to have to sit a little closer to each other. But the things we've taken for granted and become used to over the last few years, they're going to change in a few weeks. And what worked here may not work there, okay? We're going to have to be more creative. We're going to have to be more flexible. We're going to have to be more willing to step out and take ownership over areas of ministry. I want you to understand this. I say this in love, okay? But here's what I have seen happen in the last 50 years, maybe longer, but the last 50 years. I have seen pastors and staff members take over the jobs of the body. And the body no longer realizes that those jobs are not the pastors and the staffs. And people have gotten into their mind that that's what we pay that person to do. Folks, that's not in Scripture. 
And what has happened is people are afraid to step out. They're afraid to try something. They're afraid to do something because they're afraid if they don't do it the way pastor so-and-so or, or, you know, this one says is right, then they'll get chewed out and they'll never be used again. Listen to me. That's not going to happen in this church, okay? This church is here and exists to set people free to serve Jesus through the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you possess, okay? Man, I've been knocking bricks out this week and block walls and building walls. Is that my gift? No, but I know how to do it. I didn't wait for anybody to call me. I just I knew I needed to be there and help. There are going to be lots of things like that. You're going to see needs. And you don't have to say, Pastor Nelson, can we do this? Just do it. If there's a piece of garbage on the floor, pick it up. If there's dust on the piano, well, the piano will be in another room. But if there's dust on it before we get it, rub it off. You know what I'm saying? If somebody is wandering around and they don't look like they know where they're going, just say, hey, can I help you? Am I making sense here? We have got to become a people that take ownership. This is not, I go to church. This is, I am the church. I represent Jesus in this situation. I have the freedom to solve this problem in Christ. And here's the deal. If we make a mistake... We'll pick up the pieces, dust ourselves off, learn from our mistakes, and we'll move on. If we make another mistake, we'll do the same thing. Listen, I make mistakes every day. I'm not perfect. I don't get it right. In fact, if you follow me around, you're going to be in a heap of trouble every day, okay? Because that's just the way it is. But, but we've got to take ownership. This can't be a place you come to. On Sundays. This has to become a place. This has to become a family. A body. One. A unity. Where I'm looking out for the rest of my family. I'm paying attention to what my family is going through. So I can be a part of that. A handful of people can't do everything that's going to be, that needs to be done. You say, well I can only do so much. Well then do what you can do. Don't do it because somebody twists your arms. You, you, won't, you won't find me begging people to do things. I will ask. If that person doesn't want to do it, then I let it go. Because I don't believe in coercion. I believe that we have to learn to give and to sacrifice with a willing heart. So if that willing heart's not there, that person's never going to take ownership. It's never going to be their thing. It will only be the pastor made me do this. Okay? He twisted my, I know, I got one person, but I'm twisting his arm. He knows, I love him. But he's the only one who knows how to do some of this stuff. <laughs> uh, but he's doing it with a willing heart. He really is. Listen to me, folks. This is not a serve me church. Okay? It's not. This is not a church where you can come and get what you need and go home. We didn't start out that way. Those of you that were with us when we were in the, in, the, in the school, man, we got there at 7 o'clock in the morning. We unloaded all these chairs. 
We unloaded our, 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 our children's department in the hallway. We sat it up. Then we, we went home, some of you did, and changed clothes. And I went to the, boys, the little boys' bathroom and changed clothes. And then with our music team, they would get there and they'd get together and they'd work. And then we'd have church. And then you know what we'd do as soon as we said amen? I'd give this speech about being a mobile church and we'd load all that stuff up in a truck and we'd drive off. Okay? It took all of us to do that. It took all of us. It's going to take all of us to do what God's calling us to do now. This is a blue-collar church, okay? It's a working church. That means it's a roll-up-your-sleeves-and-get-in-there kind of church. And by the way, church is not about us. It's not about us. It's about the people that have yet to meet Jesus. And so if, if you or I don't do our part, then somebody else is forced to pick up the slack. And if you or I don't pitch in, then others have to pitch in and double up. And just, I'll give you an example. When we get to, to the new campus, we're going to need more greeters. Okay, we're going to need more teachers. We're going to need people who will hang around the parking lots and do this or, or this. We're going to need smiling faces, warm greetings. We're going to need handshakes. We're going to need servants who are willing to serve whenever a need arises. It's going to mean... Hey, parking a little farther than we're used to. Okay? I'm just telling you. There's X number of paved parking lots up there. And unless you are handicapped, none of us need to park in them. Except some of our senior adults. That'll be fine. But most of us are going to have to park in the other parking areas. I mean, that is sacrifice. You mean I'm going to have to walk a little bit? Yeah. Uphill. Because it's uphill down there every which direction you go, okay? It means you're going to have to get there a little earlier than 10 o'clock, 5 after 10. Because if you get there that late, I'll guarantee you where you're going to have to park. I'm not sure where you're going to get to see it, okay? I'm just, be, I'm just being gentle and kind here. But it's going to mean sacrificing time and effort in getting everything clean and ready so that the people who come, can focus on Jesus instead of worrying about where to go and what to do. It may mean giving up a choice seat and going to the overflow area, okay? You mean we're going to have an overflow area? Yeah, because I just don't know what's going to happen, okay? It's going to mean doing things a little bit different. I have no way of knowing what kind of opportunities they're going to present themselves. Therefore, we've got to be a people who are willing to volunteer to do everything and anything. We don't need to be wait. Don't have to wait. We don't need to wait until we're asked. We just need to line up like those people did and volunteer. Okay. That's what they did when, when Moses gave the speech. They lined up because their willing heart was, was, was moved, moved them to act. The reality of it is, folks, unless we have a willing heart filled with the grace of sacrifice, we are not going to succeed. And we'll be no different than a lot of others who claim to belong to Christ, but who could care less about the people around them. Listen to me, if me... My and I are the three most important people you know. Then this is not going to work. Okay? I love what John the Baptist says about Jesus. He says, 
I must decrease that He might increase. Folks, we desperately need people with willing hearts who have the grace of sacrifice, who are willing to give so that others can receive. You say, well, you know, what's in it for me? Man, there are some eternal rewards. There are some rewards that that the banks can't hold down here that God's putting away for those who are sacrificial with a willing heart. My desire and my prayer today is that God would, would stir up willing hearts in this body. And He'd move spirits who would be willing to become sacrificial servants. You say, Nelson, why are you talking about this? Listen, I, I just want to share with you, man, there have been tons of people who have, have come to help. It's not like we're not doing anything. I'm just saying, God's got to take us to the next step. Where I don't see this little area as all I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not willing to do it here, we won't be willing to do it when other needs arise. My heart's not willing. An army couldn't force me to do it. So my prayer this morning is, is that God would stir up willing hearts among us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.